This is Jason Cast. This is Scott Nearman. We are MP Local, where we want you to know that you are not alone. I tell you what, Scott, this business is not easy. It has its own unique challenges. This is not about bottom line only. This is not about profit only. We're about mission and changing communities in the nonprofit world. And that is why we started this podcast called NP Local. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to MP Local Podcast, where we are here for you. I'm Jason Cass. And I'm Scott Nearman. And you are not alone when we are on the microphone with you. How are you doing you out there, you local listeners? We are back, you know, just so you know, behind the scenes. Uh, Scott and I always like to peel back the curtain to let you know really what's going on. And it usually, I think it's what it's been, about a month since we probably, month and a half, easily. I think we, we have been recorded. busy, busy, busy. Yeah. It's busy, maybe busy, two. busy. Which our friend... Your friend, local listener, Scott, has a friend who wrote a book that we're going to kind of talk a little bit about, not really about the book, but about the fact that he's happy when we're talking about being busy. This guy says, here's how to be unbusy. Tell him a little bit about that real quick, Scott. Yeah, my friend, Dr. Garland Vance, uh, has written a book just a couple of years ago called Getting Unbusy, and we're going to have him on the podcast here. Uh, today's topic is about nonprofit employee burnout. Mm -hmm. And so this is something true and widespread for the nonprofit sector, for businesses, uh, everybody, especially post-pandemic. And Garland's book came out right before the pandemic. Um, And so I'd be interested to get his take uh, post-pandemic. But, you know, the point is uh, we all work really hard, uh, especially you, Jason, as owning your own business and those of us in the nonprofit world that, you know, we, we're really motivated to make a change in the world. And so that that mission, that passion often will will overtake and and drive the calendar and every aspect of your life if you let it. So I think there's some real cautionary statistics that I came across. And then after we do a couple podcasts, continuing our uh, leadership series here, then we will have Dr. Vance on to tell us how to get unbusy. The byline is five steps to kill busyness and live with purpose, productivity, and peace. So, you know, one of the stresses, one of the stresses, though, that they have, and and I feel you here, everybody listening, you local listeners, something maybe you haven't thought about. There's a difference between what you do and what I do as a business owner. And actually, the stress is larger with you, um, with you local listeners, with you professionals that work in the nonprofit industry. I have to manage my own money. And if I lose my money, it's my money. I Mm -hmm. am the one who earned the money, right? So I don't want to lose my money and I need to be a good steward of it, right? But at the same time, if I lose it, the only stress I have is I'm out of money, but my employees could possibly be out of a job. As a nonprofit, as as a leader in the organization, no matter who you are, you're dealing with other people's money. That has been trusted to you. That's stressful. Anytime somebody else gives you their money, that gets a little well, bit and, stressful, in my opinion. You and know? there's laws about that too, right? right? So, so if it's an endowment, the proper stewardship of that and the management and investment of those funds, you know, that board has ultimate responsibility. So we as staff, you know, Absolutely. Uh, take on those duties. And then if you don't manage it well, not only is it somebody else's money, but you still have staff that would lose their job. 
So you've kind of got a double whammo there. And, and that's why I, that's why when you brought this, Scott, you said burnout, it made sense to me that this was probably a good topic. Didn't want to start to cut you off. It just no, want to let fine. people know that we recognize where you are. There's a, there's a blog I came across recently, Jason. It's called give butter. Uh, I'll put it in the uh, show notes. <laughs> that's good. I like marketing and that's a good one. Givebutter.com and, and their uh, article from May of this year, 2022 talks about nonprofit burnout statistics. And of course, as you know, there's a high cost to that in mm-hmm. any, in any business, but, but the higher that is uh, the cost and the stakes are higher. It says charitable giving is on the rise, but so is nonprofit burnout. So over half of Americans choose to give back to nonprofits in 2021. And those billions that go to the nonprofit sector increase every year. Um, Mm -hmm. Not necessarily always uh, in a high inflationary environment, but, you know, those increasing the, the raw dollars every year, but we also have historically high rates of burnout and turnover. So they society. I never really knew that. I never knew that Scott, not being deep in that industry. I didn't know that. Yeah. The turnover is about 19%. Whereas the industry average is about 12% of the overall labor market, according to this blog. And you would attribute a lot of that to, in your experience, to burnout? Absolutely. More than half of employees. I think right now is a specific, particularly different time post-pandemic, right? You've had, we've had political upheaval like we haven't seen since the 60s. True you know, not in, not in my lifetime, frankly. We've had you know, actually, you know, what's going on in Europe and Eastern Europe is pretty scary world, brother. You've never had the threat of nuclear war or World War Three since at least uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, if not before. And then the pandemic, the post pandemic effects, you know, for example, our our children and their learning and, and you're thinking about that, the loss of family and friends, which everyone has experienced probably to some degree as the a direct lines of indirect. trade or the lines of trade are all messed up and the economics yeah. are totally screwed it is up. Crazy when healthcare healthcare is different these days, right? Talk Man, about burnout, the healthcare, and the, this is this is a huge part of the nonprofit sector too. Hospitals, you know, we we talk about this at at my day job, because we are growing our nursing program at the college uh, substantially, but you've okay. got folks leaving the healthcare profession because of the pandemic. So that's notwithstanding the fact that nonprofits are in a fishbowl. You know, we have a lot of different bosses, a lot of different audiences, as we've talked about before. And I quote Peter Drucker so much, you know, but we have a lot of bosses in in the nonprofit world. And so this article says that more than half of all nonprofit employees are affected by burnout. So I'm talking, you know, kind of global things, but, but on a, on a personal level, you know, when, when you feel that sense of responsibility as a nonprofit leader, as a fundraising leader, it depends on the type of organization you're in, perhaps how difficult fundraising may or may not have been uh, Mm -hmm. the past few years, but that sense of responsibility that you touched on at first, I think is the, the biggest driver. And the fact that, there's a lot of detail work that has to be done, and so many nonprofits are understaffed mm-hmm. or reliant on volunteers to make those things happen. True that, especially when you see that, not just as high things like grant writers, but there's a lot of sophisticated professional 
skills that are needed in nonprofits. And those are the places that sometimes can afford it the least, you know, but yet they right. need that. So you so, so true. So that falls upon people who may not have those skills or are having to learn those skills at a time where they're also being told they have to do seven other things. Then yeah. one of the things you're talking about, the great resignation, you know, all that other stuff, people are shuffling out. The people who started a lot of these nonprofits in the nineties and the eighties and seventies are now right. retiring. So yeah, you just have a lot of that. And that's why this burnout is a very good topic. Well, and 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 this article from Give Butter says that it's hitting executive directors the hardest. So I have a lot of peers out there that, you know, when you when you hire these days, I think you're you're fortunate to expect three to five year tenure out of somebody. And mm-hmm. I think since the pandemic, um, some of the human resource articles I've read have shortened that really to maybe two or three years. So you you invest in all that training which is usually the leader or you're purchasing a training maybe, uh, or the leader is doing the on the job training so that they can delegate and, and pass off those responsibilities and entrust people with those. But then a, a year or two or three later, you're doing the same thing again. And so mm-hmm. how does that affect long-term goals mm-hmm. when we've had a hard time focusing long-term these last couple of years anyway, right? Mm-hmm. How do you set those and keep those when you have that churning? Or as the article states, 60% or more of executive directors are just flat used up by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I very much know that feeling. That is um, that is a regular feeling. I, I think in most jobs where I've been in leadership, you know, I'll, I'll say that in the course of my five or 10 year tenure, that um, I've come to, I, I bounce back from burnout four or five times, you know? And, and so you learn to combat that. But I, I told my wife recently, I said, not only that I cannot do this job without her handling so much of the things at home, but I would not do this job. And that was kind of a big statement for me because I love, I love what mm-hmm. I do. Right. But because right. I invest myself so much and because of the busyness, um, which we'll talk about in a future episode, and because of the recent stresses, both globally and locally, um, I, I'd, I'd flat leave if if uh, if she wasn't able to manage the household in that way. So absolutely, you know, you, there are other roles out there, right? But when your passion is making a difference and serving others, they they like to. Uh, I, I don't even know who coined it, Jason, but they like to talk in the nonprofit world about doing well by doing good or doing good. And, and also doing well, right? There's yeah. good jobs out there in, in the nonprofit sector. So I can personally relate to this these statistics very much. It's just amazing statistics that they have about nonprofit. But but the you know it's just urgent, an urgent concern, right? Because there's a financial cost, as I mentioned, the training, the onboarding, the, the searching for the right folks. It interrupts your mission. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that. And so you know it has to be addressed. We also, I shared an article, uh, Jason, about this this guy who's 29. This is on uh, Business Insider. A nonprofit employee quit his job after having anxiety and heart palpitations. He's 29 years old. Did any of us really think that that's okay to have heart issues at 29? You know, <laughs> I thought I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof still at that time. So yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much stuff that there's so much stuff that leads to this. There also has to do with a difference in the intellectual, emotional intelligence that we are developing also as humans. 
Um, it, it comes to the point that the way we used to always run businesses and the way we always used to be, culture is an important thing. Yeah. 10 years ago, culture yeah. was something that when you mentioned it, people's eyes would glaze over and they'd be like, I don't want to hear that. But we have become in the last 10 to 15 years, a very intellectual, emotionally talented, driven society, especially when it comes to at work. You know, right now I'm reading the the um, book and this, this has to do sometimes with um, relationship burnout. So I'm reading the book right now, The Five Love Languages, very familiar book. A lot of people have read it. Well, as I'm reading this and I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, this is so realistic and works for people. This would work in the business. There yeah. are, if somebody looked at it, there are five business languages. There really truly are. And there's and, and every employee sees themselves at that business for one reason or another, or they are there to get something from one way or another. The thing about it is, is that sometimes we get burnt out because we're not receiving what we need at work, right? Yeah. One of the things that I learned about the five love languages the most is, is not one of those things is to receive. Every one of those love languages gives. And I think sometimes that's what we're missing. It's not a workforce anymore that you come in and you do your eight to four or your eight to five and you get your 30 minute lunch or whatever it can be. Right, right. It's just not. People are looking for more than that. People are looking for relationships. People are looking for, let me give you this example. The way mm -hmm. that people determine loyalty is different. So you may have a young person who has been working with you for a year or two, and they will decide I'm burnt out. I got to leave. I got to go find something different. And you would say to yourself, you would say, well, I don't know how loyal they really truly were. They only worked here a year or two. But yet, if you were talking to somebody who's, let's say, was born in the 30s, 40s, or 50s, and they're retiring, and they've been there for 35 years, and they get the gold watch, you would say that person is loyal. To a young person, they would say they are just as loyal when they were there for a year or two, because yeah. we don't perceive it as what we, this is important. Now, local listeners understand, the older generation perceives it to be loyal based on time. The younger person bases loyalty based on how involved they were, how much they were liked, how much they were loved, how productive they were <laughs> in those well, that one year they were there. That's right. I, I gave you my all. I was loyal. And That's so, right. So what that means is, is that the job is demanding more today. And sometimes that burnout is because they're being unfulfilled. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's something to think about. Um, sometimes right. we sometimes we overstaff the wrong way. Let me give you an example. If I um, you will never hear just thinking of this, you will never hear Subway say that whenever they're hiring, that they're looking for the uh, greatest gourmet sandwich makers. That's what they're looking for. Right. <laughs> that that that's what they do. That's not what they do. What they do is, is they look for somebody, no matter how much, mostly usually minimum wage workers who can take a process and can follow that yeah. process, right? Yeah. That's the way it used to be. Here's the deal. When a lot of nonprofits go and hire, they're looking for the great sandwich makers. And guess what? They find them. And then they bring them into that situation and you have them ask, what kind of cheese do you want? What kind of meat do you want? And to that type of person, that's burnout mode quick. It's like, I don't want to do this. 
So sometimes yeah. when we're looking at burnout, it's not so much, it's, it's also realizing and looking, standing at and looking at your employees in the office and standing back in the corner and going, is this the way a business was ran in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s? Because if it is, there's going to be burnout, not just because of the job that's being done, but the type of workforce that they're working in, the value that they're getting. In our, in our industry, in the insurance industry, um, uh, before I had, I can't remember, I'm, I'm making this, I'm pretty close, okay? I had eight employees, all right? And I had those eight employees. Today, I have five, okay, let me say it this way. I had eight licensed employees. So in the insurance industry, they have to be licensed to, in right. order to do certain tasks. Today, we have five licensed and we have six total employees. And those other six, um, are, we have 11 total employees. Those extra six that are there working are VEs. They're virtual employees. They're out of the Philippines. The, and, and the reason why I say this is, is because guess what? My team, Sarah um, Beard, which uh, for all you local listeners, Scott knows and works with as well. You can ask her this. Her life changed after 20 years of being burnt out in the insurance industry. She was burnt out. And in 2019, we hired some VEs and took those jobs off of her, those tasks that made her feel unqualified. Why was someone like her who's be paying the amount of money she does with the type of experience she has, why is she doing simple data entry process? Right. Right. Why, why is she doing the same stuff that would have been done? Because technology's changed. There's technology that can be used to do that. And the labor right. market has changed. In the agricultural right. business, they figured this out 80 years ago. They moved up the workers and they brought in immigrants. Blue-collar workers figured this out about 30 years ago. You couldn't bring the immigrants to the factories, so you moved the factories to the immigrants. Today, it's the white-collar world. It's the nonprofit world. It's the finance world where we're having to elevate our staff to give them jobs that give them more worth. Because what's the saying? When you have a job you love, you actually really never have a job. So that tells That's me right. you don't that work. You, that tells me you feel like you have a job if you really do have a job. Yeah. How do we make it seem to our people don't <clears throat> have a job? Change what they're doing, change their perspective, change what their worth is, change what the expectation is of them. That can go a long way to helping that burnout as well. Yeah, that's a great segment here that I hope our show note writers pull a lot of quotes from. I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head be, and you're doing that from a business perspective primarily. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's really true anywhere. And I think it's true probably no matter the size or scale of the business. Um, mm -hmm. you, you know, these big corporations have entire um, organizational development departments that are doing the training. But I also think, Jason, it's on a um, not just the managerial level and the culture level, but the individual, you know, we all have to adapt to this new reality. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've had trouble accepting the fact that half of my employees are not going to be in the office, even when I am, because mm -hmm. we have a work from home, a hybrid work arrangement, but that's going to help me retain them, right? Mm -hmm. Because they can get a hybrid work arrangement yep. in New York City or California at a much higher pay rate sitting at home. But I think that is managerial. What you're doing is, is you're meeting them in the middle. You're trying right. to say, let's not be like that office of the 80s, 90s, and let's morph and let's do that. One thing, though, Scott, we are out of time and we can continue this, though, into our next podcast. And let's I hope talk that about, yeah, let's talk about the personal things that we can do individually 
in the next episode. Go. I think that'd be great. And that's what we're going to do. So once again, you local listeners, welcome. And well, I shouldn't say welcome. That was at the beginning, local listeners. You can tell that this is real and unscripted because I just mess up all the time. And that just shows the genuality of it. Is genuality a real world? I don't know. Local listeners, I have no the idea. next time you hear us, go look up that. And in the meantime, this has been NP Local Podcast, where you are not alone because I'm Jason Cass. And I don't know him. Oh, I'm Scott Nearman. <laughs> <laughs> we are here for you. See you later.